Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Jordan Paris Show. Today, we're talking about a grave issue, an issue that's uh, very, I believe, of the utmost importance. I know my guest would agree, uh, and I, it's China. I believe that China's not just America's greatest threat, but really the greatest threat to humankind as a whole. And I don't think that that's too much of a stretch to be able to say that. And here with me to discuss this today is General Robert Spaulding. Uh, he was an Air Force general. What, you flew the, the stealth bombers, is that correct? That's right. Yep. Very cool. I remember as a kid just looking at, at those, being in awe of, of those. What is it? Just to, I, I'm dying to ask, like, what is it like? flying that thing well it's it's actually pretty uh pretty cool it's like a giant flying computer and um it's extremely capable as a weapon system probably the most capable weapon system in the world you know that you can fly just about anywhere and and drop weapons so it's 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 pretty neat so general spalding your book which i am currently in the middle of was captivated just by the audible preview, the five-minute preview on their stealth war, how China took over while America's elite slept, at Robert underscore Spalding on Twitter for people to follow you there. Now, I, I just want to cut straight to it here. Like, why is this why is this issue of, of China important for everyday people to care about, Robert? Well, um, not only uh, has the Chinese Communist Party managed to influence nearly every major corporation in the United States and other free societies around the world, they have influenced our financial system, so our investment banks, they've influenced our universities, our academic system, they're also influencing our political system. And as we found out in 2020, they're influencing our medical establishment as well. So World Health Organization, Centers for Disease Control, National Institutes of Health. So lockdown policies, a lot of the things that we did as a result of the coronavirus comes not from, you know, actually science or data, but comes from policy that was made within China and then replicated around the world. So what we've seen in 2020 is just a, a, a real example of what the Chinese uh, Communist Party's People's Liberation Army calls unrestricted warfare. It's really about influencing the economic, the social, and the political behavior of free societies to get them to slowly uh, erode the principles and values that underpin those societies. Regarding their medical influence in the U.S., do you believe that, would you go so far as to say that China targeted the United States with the virus? Not just the United States, uh, nearly every free society. And if you look at um, lockdown policies- You believe that this is this is a weapon more than anything else, used it's intentionally. It, it's an information weapon. It, it was really used, so go back to the very beginning of when the pandemic became to be known. Uh, there was a study put out by Imperial College of London that called for over 2 million Americans to die. So they, they, they believe that report said two, over 2 million Americans will, are going to die because of the coronavirus. Of course, nothing like that hap ever materialized. But it's interesting to note that in 2015, Xi Jinping made a visit to Imperial College of London and gave them millions of dollars to do medical research, including epidemiology research. So the, the 
university that put out the report that said that scared you know many in the CDC and NIH and many Americans was put out by a university that was paid by the Chinese Communist Party to do that research. Mm. I want to get to actually to the lockdowns too. You mentioned that in passing. Why do they want the the world to lock down? Is that something that they want the United States and the rest of the world to do? What what influence do they have in regards to lockdowns? So if you go back to the beginning of 2020, there was a trade war happening. It was beginning to see declines in the manufacturing output of China. And so what the what the lockdowns did what act, was actually to increase the reliance on Chinese uh, industrial base in order to produce the things like PPE and masks and other things that the rest of the world needed. Now, the rest of the world shut down their um, factories. What the Chinese Communist Party did was, you know, they had a short lockdown and then they opened everything up and really became, you know, even more ensconced into the global supply chain as a result of everybody else shutting down. What do they want? You know, we're having this information war, this stealth war, really, where they're, we're in a war, but no shots are being fired. It's a very different war than in the past. I mean, what do they want from us? Are they looking, are they looking to conquer our territory? I mean, what, what is it here? What is the long-term goal? So when you think of China and the long-term goal, what you have to recognize is that the Chinese Communist Party controls China. So Chinese, the Chinese Communist Party's long-term goal is to stay in power in China. Now, they're a political organization, and they have political power, and they have economic power as a result of that political power in China. Now, their, their subjects, the Chinese people, don't know um, about the outside world. There's a great firewall. They have propaganda at each grade level. The Chinese Communist Party controls the media, controls the internet. And so what the Chinese Communist Party believe is what the China or what the Chinese people believe is what the Chinese Communist Party tells them. And so the Chinese Communist Party is concerned. They're worried that the Chinese people would somehow gain knowledge about the outside world, about freedom uh, of speech, freedom of religion, about the political liberties that Americans and other free societies or citizens of free societies enjoy. So their fear is uh, democracy. And what they don't want their people to understand is what are the benefits of democracy. So what they want to do is suppress democracy outside of China to preclude their, their citizens becoming aware of it. It's not that they want to conquer territory. They just want America and other free countries to be like them. They want um, America to be controlled by a politically powerful elite that uh, basically keeps the the citizenry mollified and really unthinkingly supportive of the political system that that they have control of. So America is a is a threat to making Chinese citizens aware of of democracy and and freedom. They just don't want that shining example of of democracy they want to wipe that out because they want total control they're they're complete control narcissists right if you go back to the tiananmen square you know they made a replica of the statue the students made a replica of the statue of liberty in tiananmen square those protests were going on all over the country so the chinese communist party used the people's liberation army which is the armed wing of the chinese communist party to uh, violently put down those protests and their concern is that somehow after gaining 
and reinforcing their power that somehow those ideas could make their way back into China. And they, so they need to make sure that, you know, they don't, they just don't exist anywhere because if they do exist, those ideas of freedom and liberty, then they create problems for the Chinese Communist Party's continued rule of China. Hmm. General Spalding, what about, you mentioned in passing as well, banking, what, and I know you that you have an example in your book, you mentioned Morgan Stanley at one point in the beginning, what example do you have as far as their influence over the banking sector here in the States? Well, there's a lot of different um, issues with regard to banking. So, for example, uh, if you're a U.S. company, you have money invested in China, you can actually bring the money out of the, the country. So, China has what's called a, a non-convertible currency. In other words, you cannot freely trade renminbi anywhere in the world. The only one that can actually exchange renminbi for other currencies is the People's Bank of China. And so that enables them to restrict the outflow of, of capital from China and, and control that strictly. And so they also have what's called strict capital control. So they prevent the outflow of currency. Now, that distorts uh, economic activity. For example, when you have two countries that are trading, and one country is exporting far more than it's importing, usually what you have is what's called a countervailing currency trade. So there's a trade for products and there's a trade for currency. And that trade for currency tends to increase the prices of the goods that are you know, being exported from the, the country that exports more. And that tends to, over time, balance out the trade. So the, so the way that you have balance of trade is that you have that countervailing currency exchange that allows that free currency exchange that allows for that. Because China has set up this closed financial system, they can continue to export far more than the U.S. Um, exports to China to the U.S. and really undermines the, the U.S. economy in terms of productivity, manufacturing. So they have a system that really preferences Chinese manufacturers over U.S. manufacturers by continuing to export far more to the United States than, than, than the U.S. is able to export to China. So that's just one example. Other examples are that they don't, they're Chinese companies uh, that are listed on U.S. stock exchanges aren't required to be audited like U.S. companies. That's something that our Securities and Exchange Commission has allowed to go on for decades. And then finally, companies like Goldman Sachs and JP Morgan make enormous sums selling Chinese stocks and bonds to U.S. institutional investors. Those are pension funds. So basically, many people's retirements are going into Chinese companies, and the ones that are making money, in addition to those Chinese companies, are U.S. companies like Goldman Sachs and JP Morgan and, 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 and Citibank. So this is a structural problem in the global financial system, in the global trading system, that really tends to erode economic activity in the United States and causing uh, job losses, millions of job losses over mm -hmm. the last three decades. And it causes jobs to be created in China, really good jobs, jobs that allow them to you know, send their kids to school and have a home. So it's really about the destruction of the middle class and the lower class because the Chinese Communist Party has created this economic and financial system that's designed. And the reason they did that 
was because if they didn't provide jobs to the Chinese people, then their continued rule as a political party over China would be challenged. And speaking of job losses, uh, every it seems like so much of of almost all manufacturing happens in in China. You know, you have iPhones being made in China. Everything is made in China. Like the amount of manufacturing jobs in the U.S. are just dwindling, dwindling, dwindling. How does one go about fixing this problem and who fixes this problem? Uh, Especially when, I mean, any logical for-profit company is not going to be like, oh yeah, let me just do this and slash my profits in half. Like it's not that easy. I mean, how, how does one fix this problem? And is it in a two part question, is it dangerous to be dependent on the Chinese for manufacturing all, all these different products? I'll answer the second question first. It's absolutely dangerous. For instance, you have the supply chain of our F-35s, which relies on components that come from China that have issues with them in terms of quality. They have um, ways that the Chinese Communist Party could potentially get into the F-35. And so that's one challenge. Now, when you scale that across the country and you realize that, you know, we're dependent on China as a nation, then China can say, hey, we're not going to give you this product. Uh, they did that to the Japan, to Japan. And it was really about, uh, in that case, it was about rare earth metals, which are needed to produce electronics. So there's a lot of different things that are that we are reliant on China for, that if they were to be cut off, are, you know, basically, you could see the society come to a standstill. Large power transformers is another example. So when you're so reliant on a country to produce the things that you need to keep the country going, if that country either decides to stop producing those things or because they've embedded things in there that allows them to control things like the grid, then they can shut the lights off. So there's a lot of vulnerabilities built into our society now that are based on the fact that we don't ma- manufacture our own things. And then, you know, the, the, the last problem is really what happens to the society. So the jobs that we depended on are gone. So now no longer do these people, do the people in, in, in communities have employment. And so it really becomes a problem for the rest of society as they try to pay for, you know, the, to, to support the people that no longer have jobs. So it's, it's a big problem. And how does one go about fixing that problem? Is there an easy an answer that's easy to explain or is it way too complex? No, it's, it's very uh, simple. And it's really the doing the same thing that we did during the Cold War to the Soviet Union. We just cut off their ability to access our economy, to trade with us, to use our financial system. Now, people say, well, that's that's too harsh. But that's because they don't understand what the Chinese Communist Party wants to do. They, they want to use the threat. Right. They, they want to use our society and the openness of our society to essentially undermine our society. So when you and that's why my book, uh, that's why I wrote my book, because I really wanted to wake people up to the challenges we face, because if they understand the challenges, then they can begin to you know, tell their politicians that, hey, it's time to uh, break this connection and protect the United States. So they really want to conquer us economically and ideologically rather than conquering our, our territory, per se, which, by the way, I'm not completely sold on. I have a feeling that they're over over the next hundred years, they're probably coming for our territory. Just a hunch. 
Well, when you think about it, if we voluntarily give up our freedoms like we did during the, the coronavirus, uh, do that during 2020, then they don't really have to. You know, as long as we are subdued, and if we subdue ourselves just by voluntarily choosing not to live as a free people, then they achieve the same goals. You know, if if Americans no longer recognize that it's much better to live in a free society than it is to live in a, an authoritarian one, and they choose to say, hey, we want to live in an authoritarian society, as I've heard many people say, then in reality, the need for, for them to invade really is, is no longer there. They can work with the leaders of the country who are in charge of the country to get them to do the things that they want. Yeah. And in regards to the the leaders, how many in our United States government are in China's pocket? Well, it used to be a lot more. And, and really, it doesn't matter about political party on the right. No, it left, doesn't. You had a lot of people that were getting rich, either their families were getting rich, or some investment they were um, doing was making them rich. Or they were getting uh, they were the companies that were in their districts were getting rich. So Somewhere along the way is being financially enriched by having this tie to the Chinese Communist Party, and that's why they continue to do it. Who specifically? Uh, nowadays, I mean, I think we can definitely say Mitch McConnell, you reference him in the book and his wife in the book. Who else in our government? Well, I, I, in the book, I reference Mitch McConnell uh, and his wife, Lane Chow, and Joe Biden and his, and his son, Hunter Biden. There are a number of others. Most of what happens today within politics is really without the full knowledge and consent of the politicians themselves. They're encouraged to do things. For instance, uh, we had a commander, base commander at Nellis Air Force Base that was approached by the mayor of Las Vegas, asking him not to say anything about the factory that China was building off the departure end of Nellis Air Force Base. And that's because he was concerned about the jobs that that factory was going to provide for Las, Ve Las Vegas residents. So in a way, the Chinese Communist Party used the fact that they can invest in our society as ways to curry political favor with politicians. Same thing happened with the uh, Foxconn factory in Wisconsin. It's really about currying that political favor with politicians by finding a way that, they're in, that they can be incentivized. So would you say that many of our politicians in China's pocket, are they just ignorant or are some of them overtly on the other team? Oh, uh, they're, they're, um, some are overtly on the other team. Most of those are like lobbyists or lawyers that are working for pay on behalf of the Chinese Communist Party, lobbying our political institutions. But some of them uh, are in politics, are getting incentivized. The case of Hunter Biden and Joe Biden was really about uh, Hunter Biden making money. And you, through that relationship with his father, transferring that money to, you know, the father. So it's some of it can be like that, but most of it is really coming through lobbyists in law and law firms that um, lobby yeah. uh, the United States. So President Biden, is he, you know, I think that his, his son Hunter definitely overtly on the other team, but president perhaps just a little ignorant or is he on the other team? Well, I think, yes. I mean, look, there was a lot, um, and, and I tend not to place blame in people because uh, I, too, uh, really didn't understand the threat from the Chinese Communist Party. So, 
in a sense, as citizens, we're all responsible, but it's what we do from the point that we recognize uh, the challenge. Do we stand up and we and do we do something about it or do we not? And, you know, when I really realized for the first time that this was going on, I determined that I had to stand up and do something. And and every day I see Americans standing up to basically say, I recognize this threat. I'm going to take action to help help mitigate it. Let's discuss briefly the Muslim Uyghurs. Uyghurs is how you say it, correct? And the genocide that President Xi is committed in, committing against this entire population. is I have been dying to ask this question for months. Is there a parallel between that and what the Nazis did with the Jews? Like, is it is it at all inappropriate to compare modern day China and what they do to the Muslim population to Nazi Germany? Is it at all inappropriate, General Spalding? No, it's not. I mean, I've you know one of the things that the Chinese Communist Party did was vilify uh, Muslims within China. So just like the Nazis vilified the Jews within Germany. Uh, and then they uh, started putting them in concentration camps. They do things like forced organ harvesting, where they'll take people that are in uh, prison and then they will sell their organs to the highest bidder. So these are things that are horrendous, you know, and can be compared very closely to the way that the Nazis te- you know, treated the Jewish people. Unfortunately, uh, today, in this globalized internet-connected world, you have U.S. corporations that are, in many ways, aiding and abetting that behavior. For example, the recent movie uh, from Disney, Mulan, at the very end of the movie, there's credits thanking the police, uh, the, the Public Security Bureau in Xinjiang for supporting them on the movie. Now, this is the same organization that's putting the Uyghurs in concentration camps. So as you can see, we have, uh, you know, corporations that are actually part and parcel to this activity because we have these closely connected economies. Yeah. You know, what's interesting too, you know, these great activists like LeBron James, he complains on and on about how his, how black people are are being hunted down and how oppressed uh, black people are. Meanwhile, he's profiting so heavily off of slave labor in in China. I mean, LeBron James, will you you know, we we hear everything you're saying on Twitter, but will you will you commit to not profiting off of slave labor anymore? Will you commit to not having any shoes or any of your apparel being made by slave labor in China? No, he won't do it. He won't he won't acknowledge that. He won't even answer that. Does he even does he even comprehend that at all that that he's profiting so greatly off of slave labor? Of course, he comprehends it, and that's why he refused. In fact, he criticized Daryl Morey of the Houston Rockets for saying anything, anything about Hong Kong. He said, hey, that's the Chinese. We shouldn't talk about what we don't know. So he's basically saying, don't mess with the fact that I'm making millions of dollars uh, and the NBA is making million dollars, millions of dollars in China by you know pointing out the fact that the Chinese Communist Party is oppressing the people of Hong Kong and the Uyghurs in Xinjiang and the people of Tibet and soon want to do the same thing to the people of Taiwan. No, he's making too much money. And this is the same problem, by the way, that's going on everywhere. Yes, it really is. And the NBA has just been so funny with their virtue signaling. And uh, I remember just turning on the NBA finals what, last year, uh, I guess, what I don't know, October, whatever. And, um, you know, just seeing Black Lives Matter on the court everywhere, these 
social justice statements on the back of their jerseys. It was really gross, uh, to be honest. The, 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 how, the, this is a Marxist organization in my eyes, the National Basketball Association. And meanwhile, they're, they're completely silent on genocide in China of Muslims. They're com- completely silent on that. So how is the NBA... I know how LeBron James is profiting off of China with his apparel. How is the NBA as a whole profiting off of China? It's the same. It's the same way. You know, they sell they sell products there, team apparel, but they also televise games there. They have you know ticket sales there, so they do exhibition games there. So it's yes. the same way. And I I think that with these cable news networks, with these with these legacy news networks, they. Um, to have access, uh, I, correct me if I'm wrong here, to get access to, I mean, how many people are in China? A billion? Oh, uh, uh, 1.4 billion. 1.4 uh, billion. So there's a lot of consumers, yeah. Huge market, a lot of consumers. And it's very profitable for stations like CNN and these other networks to get to have that shown in China to that many people. And so they have to sort of tailor their content to make it acceptable to the Chinese Communist Party. Is, is there any truth in that? Because that's what I have heard. Can you elaborate on it? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think the, you know, that was what uh, LeBron James was saying, was that we have to curtail what, curtail what we say in order to not offend the Chinese Communist Party. And because what you saw is when Daryl Morey did that, they canceled the games. They took all the you know team paraphernalia off the um, team apparel off the site, so you couldn't sell any more NBA products. It was really they they basically wholesale shut down the NBA in China. So yeah, and and that's a devastating blow financially for the owners of the NBA. So this is a way that they have a stranglehold hold on American corporations. <clears throat> yeah. What about Muslim Uyghurs? Do you, why do they do this to them? Why do they treat them like this? Do they just think that they're inferior? What is it? I, I can't wrap my head around that, why they're just doing this. So, in, in um, you know, in a lot of ways, it represents the arrival of a new leadership within the Chinese Communist Party. So, um, one of the ways that they've done this in the past, Jiang Zemin did this with the Falun Gong, is really by demonstrating their ability to deal with, you know, a problem. The the Uyghurs in Xinjiang were deemed a problem, you know, and they related it to terrorism. So they said, <coughs> excuse me, all of these people in, in Xinjiang were terrorists. And so, um, by the way, they did this to Tibet. They've now done it to Hong Kong as well, you know, in terms of, you know, suppressing the um, the independence and freedom of these uh, states. You know, Xinjiang Xinjiang was called East Turkestan and was actually invaded by the Chinese Communist Party. You know, with de- within days after declaring, you know, standing up the People's Republic of China. So, you know, the Uyghurs aren't a part of China. Xinjiang is a Chinese word for East Turkestan, and it's really about you know the 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 people of of East Turkestan aren't even Chinese. And in fact, what the Chinese Communist Party has done is to move Chinese people into East Turkestan to basically slowly erode the culture and the, 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 really the society of, uh, of Muslims there. General, have you heard anything about 
China's space force. Do you are you able to speak on that at all? Do you know much about? Um, yeah, they they have a pretty significant um, and technologically sophisticated space force. I mean, they have they've landed um, you know uh, drones on the dark side of the moon. So they have they are very very technologically sophisticated across a whole number of areas, not just the space force. Do you know about their ambitions with the space force? Do you know much about that? Because I, I was hearing General Steve Quast. I don't know if you know him speak on China Space Force, and it really um, struck fear in me. Do you know much about it, their ambition there? He, he's, he's much more um, knowledgeable about the Space Force, but, you know, they do seek to have preeminence in space. They seek to um, have preeminence on the moon. They seek to mine resources from the moon and from space uh, and, to, um, and to have dominance over those areas. So, I mean, th this is something that they've been uh, working on for a while. And they've taken, you know, most of the learning and technology from the United States. Yes. And how have they done that? Paint a picture for people well, how they've, yeah, how they've it, taken it, our yeah. information. So they've, uh, they, they've worked with our labs. They work with our universities. They work with NASA. They get a lot of technology through that. They buy technology from our companies. They buy startups. Um, and then they just um, flat out steal information. They'll they'll break into computers and space companies and in NASA and and download data. And so and then you know they'll have their uh, they'll send their students over to our universities and labs to learn from our professors during during the, the early parts of their space uh, their space industry. They actually got help, direct help from, I think it was Hughes, uh, Hughes spacecraft. And uh, I want to say that it was, I can't remember the, the other company, but basically they helped them understand what was wrong with their rocket. And, and so doing, got the ability to create ICBM. So in many, many ways, they've incentivized the corporate sector, you know, NASA and academia to help them uh, transfer this technology. Yes. Uh as we begin to wrap up, I am very curious about this more of a very, very, very current recent event. Do you have any thoughts on these so-called Asian hate crimes? And do you suspect that there's any link to the CCP at all? Well, uh, the only the only link, yeah, the only link is really that the Chinese Communist Party uses any criticism of the party to basically turn it into racism. In other words, if you criticize the Chinese Communist mm -hmm. Party, they're saying, well, you're just being racist against Chinese. So they use the tools of, of racism. They use it as a, as a psychological and a uh, ideological and really a rhetorical weapon to silence their critics. Yeah, it is interesting. I was in a clubhouse room. I don't know if you're familiar with that, that yep. audio app. Yes. And it was an app. It was a, a room about China, and you know somebody was talking the facts about China, much like we have here today, and the genocide and the dangers of the CCP, whatnot. And uh, a, a Chinese person got on the stage and started accusing the speakers of spewing this hatred towards Chinese people. And then, if you actually looked around the room, it looked like there were some 
other Chinese bots slash spies in the room too, like it, some really sketchy profiles. Uh, and I said, wow, they're everywhere. <laughs> they, they literally are everywhere. And if you think about it, the Chinese government has the ability to pay you know people to monitor social media and begin to influence. And so one of the things that the Silicon Valley uh, tech companies have given them is the ability to harness data in, you know, for the interests of the chi- interests of the Chinese Communist Party. So I say they don't use bombs and bullets. They use ones and zeros and dollars yes. and cents. Those are their weapons. Yeah, they can. They're, they're in everyone's pocket. They pay they pay everyone off. They pay people to 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 do what I just said. They pay people to be honey traps even. And what what is what can we do in, in general general spalding what is talking solutions here in general what can we do when it when i mean money talks i just i just got done saying no corporation in their right mind is going to slash their profits in half on an individual level it's the same thing if you're offered i don't know a lot of money uh you're you're gonna a lot of people are gonna do just about anything for for a good amount of money if it's right and uh, it seems like the CCP has endless amounts of it. What is the solution here? Money talks. I mean, I don't. I I feel like we're at a loss here. What can we do? No, you have to make it illegal. I mean, that's what mm-hmm. we did during the Cold mm-hmm. War. You just have to make it illegal. Companies will they have a actually a fiduciary responsibility. So by law, they have to make more money. So that's the responsibility of the directors and the executive officers of the company for any corporation. So we have to make it illegal or else uh, they are incentivized to do this, not just for you know their own profit, but also by law. If they don't do what's best for the profits of the company, they can be, uh, they can be removed. General Spalding, I, my final question is, well, is time running out for us to take swift, decisive action? Is time well, I, now. I thought we had more time, um, but 2020 really showed me that you know time is really of the essence. If you think about it, their their ability to affect the political and social and economic system of the United States was absolutely devastating to our society in 2020. We have got to do this now. There is no more time to wait. Unfortunately, I don't think that the that call is going to be answered, General Spalding, with who we have in the White House, unfortunately, I, I don't think that any there's any hope for any action to be taken until what 2025 at the earliest. So I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, I'm I'm a, I'm an American. Uh, you know, I I feel fervently. Um, I support the Constitution. I believe in freedom and democracy. I'm going to continue to fight. I'm going to continue to speak up. I think people should speak up when they see things that are counter to our principles and values. And if we don't, then we deserve what we get. Yeah. My friends, you have to get this book, Stealth War, subtitle, How China Took Over While America's Elite Slept. Have to get that book, Stealth War, on Amazon, on Audible, really a a riveting book. At Robert underscore Spalding on Twitter. General Spalding, thank you for coming on the program. Thank you so much. There you have it, my friends. This has been another episode of the Jordan Paris Show. Now, if you enjoyed today's episode, there are a couple of things that you can do. Number one is, of course, share with your friends and family. I think that they would really appreciate it. Number two, we have a free community, a sensor free community on Telegram. 
You can join that group at jordanparis.com slash group. I'd love to meet you. And lastly, your voice is powerful and it is important. And if you'd like to use your voice and start your own podcast, I'd love to help you out. jordanparis.com slash course is where you can find my free course on how to become a rock star podcaster. That's all. Thanks everyone for listening. And I'll catch you on the next episode of The Jordan Paris Show.